Welcome to our Ted Lasso Talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome back, beautiful people. Today we're exploring Ted Lasso Season 2, Episode 11. This is Midnight Train to Royston. I am your host, Coach Castleton. With me, as always, is Coach Bishop. Never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Yeah, you've let me down a couple times, Coach. But, uh, <laughs> over the year, but 30 years is a long time to keep up that promise. Uh, with, with us is our, is our boss, Emily Chambers. I talk so much shit about award shows all the time. I say that the Oscars fucking blow it. I say that the Emmys don't know who to actually give awards to. I don't even fuck with Tony because I don't know him. And then the goddamn Grammys fucking show up. I am right now. I am. I am. I am to record this podcast. I am taking a break from my full-time job of listening to Tracy Chapman's fast car on repeat over and over and over again. Yeah, because it's yeah. she is yeah. really she is good. like a different type. You you listen to that and you, and you just it's, I mean yeah it's it's tremendous. It's, I, I don't watch the Grammys um, because I tr- the Grammy uh, it's not my it's not my th- yeah. thing per se. Like I'll watch the uh, film and television, uh, but um, I trust with the Grammys. Like if there is a breakout performance or something notable. It'll be all over everything mm-hmm. the next day. Even before there was social media, it, it would it would hit the oh, news. Yeah. You would at least say, "Oh, it'd be on the cover of Time magazine," right? So, um, with this one, without a doubt, the biggest thing—the Joni Mitchell uh, stuff—is yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. is, is I was, fantastic. I was just going to say, I don't want to overlook Joni Mitchell or um, Annie Lennox doing the uh, uh, tribute oh to Sinead O'Connor, who passed away this year. Um, and it, keeping in both Annie Lennox and Sinead O'Connor's politics, um, calling for a ceasefire in Gaza at the end of her performance. Thank you, Annie Lennox. This is why I've loved you forever. I'm really happy about that. She's, She's goddess, so good. Yeah, yeah. But I, so I no longer go to bars where people sing like loudly. Like sometimes there's entertainment, but I don't really, I don't hang at the college bars anymore where like every single white person in the place when they play Sweet Caroline will say so good, so good, so good on cue. I don't yeah. do those bars anymore, yeah. but I a uh, part of me wants to go to the closest lesbian bar to me so that a like building full of middle-aged women can shout and your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder and uh like I need I need I need to punch the air while we're all shouting at the same time. The, the the dirge of longing and a dissatisfaction with the country. It's really good. I'm really happy about it. Yeah. No, no. I, I, yeah. It's um. listen, anytime that it, when you, when you have a kindred spirit, you know, sometimes um, you can feel out of sync with, with people, but when, when certain performers go up there, it, people are torn on this because it's like, Oh, don't make these shows about, about you or about a, pro, you know, uh, 
some sort of platform. It's not a platform, for, but it's like if they don't use that yeah. platform, like what what else? This is the one time they're going to say, please stop killing people where anyone, yeah. you know, can actually listen. So uh, I get both sides of it, uh, but I will say that, um, man, like these are, these are four, when you're in, this should have been probably 15 years ago. Oh yeah. But the boomers have taken over. Like they've been in, in control for so long, but we're getting this tiny microcosm of like acts from our childhood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, where people that matter, like Annie Lennox is former. Oh yeah. Like Joni Mitchell. Are you kidding? Like, and then Tracy Chapman came out of nowhere and, and, and was, and then, and then, and then yeah. left and then was like, I'm good. Yeah. It, it- which like good, good for is her. kind of the coolest good thing. For her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the coolest of the cool where she's like, mm, I have all of the talent. Here. Yes. Like I'm just gonna I'm gonna take it. I'm just gonna do whatever here. the fuck I feel like. And yes, and good for her. Yeah. And it isn't about this, but she looked incredible. She looked so mm-hmm. good. I am I've seen several people mention that in the picture I saw. I was like, wow. Oh mm-hmm. my god. I am so yeah. painfully straight that it depresses me, but there is something like I, I, I am not interested in women. I am interested in Tracy Chapman. I love her. That's I think great. she's great. Um, but yeah. I think yeah. probably some of what, you know, those of us who were around, I mean, we're not a, the same generation, but I think we were, we're close enough in age that we would have appreciated her on some, mm-hmm. I think it's a reminder like her in particular, there's a reminder that there was something going on in that general time where there was some pushing against like, hey, what if we weren't a bunch of vapid assholes? Yes. Yeah. We 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 ultimately went the way of being vapid assholes mm-hmm. as, a, mm-hmm. as a group. But there was a moment where at least some people were asking the question like, hey, what if we weren't? Yeah. And she, to no, me, was one of the people coach. who was asking that question. It was like, yeah, what if, um, yeah, what yes. if we just didn't do this? Yes. Um, so it's a reminder of like, oh, yeah, I agreed with her. Like, how did I get swept up into the Real Housewives? Don't know. Okay. Well, you know, we all need our guilty pleasures. I, I, I'm not going to knock, like, listen, I ate a bag of potato chips for dinner the other night. Sometimes you need food and sometimes <laughs> you need not food. And that's fine. Right, um, right, right. But yeah, I was talking in our writers group Slack about how Fast Car is one of the first songs that I remember sort of finding on my own. I don't know how I found it because I was like eight when it came out. So the music I listened to was the music my parents played for me or sometimes the right, music right. my older sister played for me. But there, I wasn't like, in my room with my radio like what's on xrt now like somehow Mm. i found it though and i was like oh this is a song i like like this is this is this is one i found this is mine this is mine Mm. and then Mm. i must have been a little bit older when i first heard it because it like gets blended into a lot of the lilith fair stuff for me like early joan osborne and um sarah mclaughlin and a few others like somebody was saying something about how uh with barbie the indigo girls are also having a bit of a revival right now. And I was like, oh yes, there was actually like a lot of female focused rock folk stuff from the late eighties through the like mid nineties that didn't become popular until the later nineties. But I'm like, people are out there fucking doing shit. Kate Bush. And um, I know that I'm missing a bunch. Liz Fair. God fucking forbid. I forget Liz Fair. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping that we are now. I'm a huge Liz Fair fan. Huge. I like her enough 
I, I I never got so super into her, but there were a few songs of hers. Like Polyester Bride is one of my favorite. I fucking love Polyester Bride. I cannot help it. I do like the um, one that she came out with later. Uh, Why Can't I Breathe Without You? It's not even her best, but oh, I yeah. still love it. I don't know. I can't fucking help it. No, no. There are songs. There are just, there's some lyrics she has that'll just yeah. catch you. Or or like, a, a you know, I was in from the early, early, like, you know, when she would never play and nobody heard of yes. her. And, and, you know, she was just like this, this sort of anomaly whip smart uh days um and uh yeah no it, it was uh again those were those are interesting times mm-hmm. and this one was a you know we've got to make a decision oh man <laughs> like i mean it's like a, it's like this tipping point what is it 1988 did this come out when was fast and so it's predates grunge mm-hmm. But it asks the same, so it puts you in the same sort of situation that grunge attempts to, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, like how'd we how'd we get here again? Like, it, and it like leave tonight or live and die this way. Those are the choices. Yeah. It, it, it didn't feel like the world was your your cornucopia. No, 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 no. Um, you know, it, so it was. Um, yeah, no, I yeah, think that that is fascinating, an incredibly uh, pointed comment to make that it predated that sort of like I want to say funk but not in like the Stevie Wonder way funk in like a there is some disillusionment as in a mood yes as in like Mm -hmm. there is a rot to the underlying suburbia and we're not discussing how things aren't actually playing out the way that they're supposed to that her song taps into and that grunge later tapped into Um, because you mentioned it came out in 88 the last thing I'm going to say about it and then we could talk about Ted Lasso, which is what this podcast is about, is that, and, and actually this will be a nice tie-in. So um, the first time that she played that song live was at Wembley in 88. So old Wembley Stadium, Ted Lasso taught me. Um, she played a set and then Stevie Wonder was supposed to go on and they were having technical issues and he wasn't going out and the crowd started getting impatient. And so she, by herself, with her guitar, went out and played Fast Car for the entire audience. That is not the song that you play to get people it, like into the, like, that is a hard song to listen to ever. It must be very hard to listen to in a crowd like that when it's brand new. She was 24 years old. She was 24 years old and went out and just commanded the fuck out of Wembley so that Stevie Wonder could get his shit together. It's I, Hank Green on Threads taught me that, and bless you for that because I fucking love that story. Yeah, I think we all know what a fucking train wreck Stevie Wonder is. Uh, yeah, like, that's come the, on. The takeaway the, we don't need to go down this side road, but I will. Uh, there are a couple things I've I've been trying to do better about sharing in the community, and there's a story about Stevie Wonder beating a guy up. What? It's so goddamn funny. What? Yeah. It's a whole fucking thing. They got an <laughs> argument in the studio, and then they had to bl- they blindfolded the other guy like to make it. Fit. It's fucking. Are you serious? I read this story. I was crying. I was like, "Oh my!" But how long and absurd is life that I know I have heard a story about Stevie Wonder not just getting in a, an altercation with somebody, but laying hands on somebody like that's. Life is something else, boy. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy right now. 
Okay, so we're going to shift from one iconic black man to another. <laughs> Very smooth. On, Very smooth. We open, <laughs> we open on Sam Obasanya. Um, he has had the game of his life. Uh, the, the crowd is shouting um, uh, in Seven Nation Army um, sort of, uh, I don't know, pattern. The pattern of that. The da, 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 da. Do you mean rhythm? Because it would be really great rhythm if a white guy that. couldn't come up with rhythm. Is that rhythm? That oh, I got rhythm. Oh boy. That oh really wait, what's what funny. is rhythm again? <laughs> um, uh, but yes, that's it. The rhythm of uh, of uh, Seven Nation Army, and and it uh, it's one of my favorite things about soccer. I'm just gonna put that in there when people get um, chants with their name. Like, there's this one where it's like, uh, an Irish soccer player I really love. Uh, her name is uh, Katie McCabe. She's a lunatic uh her name her nickname is katie mccard because every time she gets on the field she gets a yellow card um or a red sometimes just for fun and she is just strong as a bear and such a great player and the best teammate ever and universally beloved uh unless you're playing against her she's one of those players like you know like the minute the whistle blows she's, she's not your, your buddy anymore and then you know she can really compartmentalize but um people will chant like we got McCabe, Katie McCabe. And I'm like, like they're bragging. We have McCabe. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a series and all through different uh, soccer clubs uh, across the world. Uh, you say, you know, there's this one on, on YouTube that I love uh, where the people saying we got the best midfield in the world. Oh, 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 we got the best midfield in the world. You know, you're like, Oh my God, it, it is so I can't even imagine what that must feel like as an athlete to have people singing, to bring people to song with how good you are at a sport must be about the pinnacle of, of athletics. I would think it's gotta be up there with gold medals and, and things like that. We open that way. Sam Obasanya chant, getting his name chanted. He is, I mean, huge smiles. Uh, we know what happened. We're coming off the last episode where, uh, Sam and, and Rebecca took a little break in the cupboard, thanks to uh, Coach pointing out um, Deborah's term for it. Coach, you don't have any cupboards, huh? I didn't uh, understand that I did. I don't believe we do have a cupboard of that sort, certainly. But uh, I thought that was interesting. Got it. I thought that was really interesting. Arlo says three points for uh, Sam Obasanya. He gets the uh, man of the match ball. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. That's why the, the, he's getting the ball there. He's the man of the match. An incredible turnaround. Um, the coaches on the sidelines are, are you know, cheering for everybody's cheering for him. Jan Moss runs up and hugs him. You know, it's nice for a player to realize his potential. Arlo, Chris says, um, they come out of the uh, uh, out of Nelson Road. It is still people running up and grabbing him and cheering. He must have had like a game to remember. Um, there's a there's like a, a coworker or something that takes a picture of his back just to prove he, she was near him. Okay. Yeah. So she is a, uh, an employee. She's so enamored uh, with him. I mean, she'll get street cred just for, just for taking a picture where she was, you know, a foot away from, and, from and uh, behind him. Like it's just the back of his head. Yeah, like oh, I yeah. was this close to Sam Obasanya is enough. It's funny. Cause if she had said, Sam, can I get a picture with you? He'd be like, of course. Like, yes, yeah. I was just going to say that he, of course he would. But I like that, you know, I like when people are not, uh, they're kind enough to not sort of interfere. Um, okay. Uh, Sam s sits down in his car, which is a Tesla, of course, because uh, um, once upon a time, 
the Tesla was the right car. I know for I the know. right type of person. Now, if you drive a Tesla, uh, you're a terrible, terrible person supporting all kinds of horrific things. I am looking at you, Coach Bishop. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I wish I had a Tesla. Yeah. I would tra- trade my car for a Tesla. It's instantaneous <laughs> torque for those people who have never driven an oh my God. electric car. Yeah, it is. It is. You never have to worry about merging or do I, can, does this car have enough guts to speed up? Is it, I think. Do I think I can make it? Oh, yeah. No, say, I think I, I can think make, I can make it, it behind you. But yeah, it, it doesn't feel good to feel like I've contributed to the to the chaos that is being sown. Yeah. Um, okay, so Sam gets in the car here, um, right onto his phone. He finally gets a minute to peace. Uh, gets looks right to Rebecca, right to a text from Rebecca. We see, um, uh, you know, Sam has sent her. Your, your 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 eye naturally drifts up. We have an insert of the phone. We see that Sam has sent her a couple of uh, cool guy emojis, cool shades, and then two wink emojis on their own. Um, I love, uh, I love, I love a middle-aged white man talking about emojis. Um, it reminds me of, you know, my favorite thing is, is a high school principal, white, white high school principal saying featuring when announcing mm-hmm, something mm-hmm, to like mm-hmm, a pep mm-hmm. rally, you know, it's like a featuring pitbull. I was just going to say featuring me, pitbull. I don't know why he's the featured yeah. go-to, but yes. Uh, I don't know why, but it's so. If it yeah, helps it's, at it's all, so there's a middle-aged white man who happens to be in line for the uh, throne of England. And he did tell a magazine in front of his wife that his favorite emoji is the eggplant. Which. Oh, shit. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Prince William said that in a, in an interview and nobody knows why, like, does he not know that it's a dick because it's a dick. It's supposed to be a dick. Wills. Here's the thing. If it's not a dick, I need to understand why it would be your favorite. Thank it's you. actually weirder if that's Thank your you. favorite and you don't know. Is it that, that they call it? The it, it I don't know why. Look, can we just please take it easy on the royals? No. They are royal. After Absolutely all. not. Uh, no, boss. I will not. Hit, wait. I mean, how do I mute her mic, coach? Uh, <laughs> you gotta. I, not, I will not stand here. A free man in America. Yeah, we right, no, right. we fought. We as fought. you as you malign a monarch from a different country. We, a monarch. Well, it has to in be in twenty twenty four. America doesn't do everything right, but we are smart enough to not have a king. Anytime that any country that tries to no, insult the U.S. get ahead of yourself there, Coach. Yeah, I like uh, not, I mean, boss, would not sell yourself short about November. November cometh is all I'm saying. Mm-mm, we'll see. Mm-mm. Supreme right. Court already ruled that. Um, I would like to point out maybe maybe <laughs> Willie got confused because over there they call it an aubergine. Maybe he didn't understand that's yeah. that the eggplant is dick because that's a superior. Word. It's a superior word. It's less descriptive, yeah. but it is superior. Soft cheese. Mm. Anyway, a hat trick. Rebecca. Oh, no, sorry. After the emojis, he says, it would be great to see you again, uh, but and no pressure at all, but I do miss you. And and we have a mark that is delivered. And then we get the, the telltale sort of date above yeah. the, the, the most recent yeah. text, suggesting this, that that was last night or this another was not, time. It was not Rebecca immediate. Could, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so after the game, uh, Rebecca has texted him, a hat trick, bloody brilliant. I'm so happy for you. Um, and we see the three dots, the telltale three dots. Uh, all right. What, what is he hoping for here? Uh, boss? What is, what, what does he want the next three dot 
pop to see. I would love to see you too. Three dot pop. That's a good game for a good name for a ska band, by the way. All right, keep going. Mm. Three dot pop. No. 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 Three dot soda. I feel like it's a thing. No, no. It might be a thing, but also, do we need another ska band? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm, I don't know about I that. I can't say yeah. we do. Okay. We don't need any more so, ska bands with white people. I'll tell you that goddamn much. No doubt was the last one that did it that was acceptable, and that was 20 years ago. That, yeah, I was going to say, no doubt. Holy shit, I know that name. And that's if not, not good. 30 years ago, actually. Jesus Christ, I'm old. Um, he wants her to say that uh, he wa- she wants to see him, too. He is, he is not done with this by any stretch. He's giving her space, but he is not, not interested. But even his way of-, of saying, I am still interested, though... And I, I feel like I'm going to be beating this drum through the end of season two, certainly, but feels of the new manhood. Like it's not, it doesn't strike me as like manipulative or like, hey, did I, uh, did I forget my key fob? And you're, I mean, it's like, you know, hey, hi, I don't want you to feel pressure. I want you to f- experience this just as me wanting to see you and simple as that. And then he left the, you know, so anyway. I thought it was cool that it was uh, I thought it was well handled as far as that kind of thing would go. He is the loveliest human. And you're right. He is not is not pushy. It is not manipulative. It is not, um, uh, you know, uh, it, it is not uh, negative in any way. It's just a, a positive thing. He's letting her know where his, his feelings are. You know, he, he she says a hat trick. Bloody brilliant. The way everyone else has been celebrating. Uh, maybe he he's hoping um, she's looking, uh, you know, to send him a couple aubergine. Mm, that wouldn't be what she would do, but that's fine. Um, I would like to very quickly mention that uh, one of my five, one of my close friends, who I see on a regular basis, she has two kids. I love both of them an extreme amount. And the last time we hung out, the next morning when I got home, I was going through my purse. And I was like, oh, shit, why do I have the little one's dress in my purse? How did that happen? Was it thrown down the stairs for laundry and accidentally landed because my purse was near there? Like, what? I didn't have that much to drink. What was I doing? Why do I have the child's dress? So I texted her. I was like, hey, can't explain it. Got this in my purse, though, so I will bring it back the next time I'm over. And she texts back and says, I asked the little one about it. She said that she put it in your purse on purpose. And when I asked her why, she said, because then she has to bring it back to me. I was like, girl, I'm going to come hang out with you anyway. I love That's you. I'm not brilliant. Like I would, I would, I would anyway, but I love so much that you're trying to trick me into coming <laughs> to hang out. I will, I will come back and I will bring it to you. That is that is super sweet when a child does it. Not so much when an adult does it. When an yeah, adult does is, it, it's Costanza-ing. Yeah. In this case, yes. it was just really adorable. That's super sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, real, real quick, everyone. Um, I, you're going to hear um, it's going to be a really great episode because for a few minutes, I have to go. Uh, I just got a text that in the middle of the recording, I have to, my, my, my beautiful daughter has... Uh, an elevated temperature, just a little little fever, it looks like, and I have to go grab her from school. So, uh, coach and boss, if you wouldn't mind taking it away, and I'll jump back on as soon as I, uh, as soon as I get her from school. And that silence means we're going to do a really great job of this. Yeah, no. Oh yeah, go. No, we got it. Totally. Uh, yeah. Do you think? Do you think, coach? That fucking guy. No. Um. 
As soon as so, he took the headphones off. Fucking as, as soon as, as, like, as, soon as he did. On cue. <laughs> that fucking guy. Um, yeah. All right, so, so Sam not getting the, uh, the, the peach emoji is, I believe, what we would be looking for. Oh, Rebecca yeah. would probably right. not be sending uh, an aubergine. I don't think. Not as far as I'm aware. I'm not going to say one way or the other. I'm just going to say based on presentation and whatnot, we don't know Rebecca that well. I don't get the sense that's her style, but at any rate. Uh, Yeah. So uh, Sam sitting in his car, not thrilled Mm -hmm. with the (laughs) message. It's not his favorite. Uh, Luckily, Colin is there to immediately take all the pressure off. In his new bright green, I don't know what kind of car this is. I should have let you take this one. I believe it's a Lamborghini, but I could be wrong. I have to see when they pull it out if I could figure it out. But I, I believe it's a green Lamborghini is what I believe. I know that it has a spoiler. And I've said that those do what they say and they ruin the car. They don't make it look better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I There's something very funny also that this car is green and his other car is orange i'm just Uh saying but anyway um but and i have done some more work on that by the way we will get to that buttercups i promise um but i think the too much car thing yes is so funny to me and but that like because it's it's fine it's funny it's it's a good joke i I thought it, it worked but like why does he have to have that car like one could decide, you know what? My dad drove a Civic. I kind of have good memories of a Civic. I'll get a Civic. There is something, and I speak for myself as well in this. Like, I have been very, like, it's, I have known I want a certain kind of car. Each time mm-hmm. I've gotten a car in the last 20 plus years. And there's something very much about that where he needs this car. Mm-hmm. Like it's part of his I've I've made it kit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just interesting to me because how much fun could it possibly be to drive a car that feels that like out of your control? Like I can't imagine it's fun. So I don't. I think maybe I've mentioned on here. I didn't get my driver's license till I was like 24 years old, uh, just because I wow. screwed it up in high school and then I couldn't take driver's ed without not graduating on time. And then I just, it didn't happen. So I, I went to college. I, I was an, the annoying friend who needed a ride everywhere for a long time, but I didn't have my license. Um, and then I didn't buy a car until I was maybe 30. I think I got my first car when I was 30. And it was a 2008 Ford Focus. And it didn't even have automatic windows. It did still have the roll up and roll down. Wow. Yes. Yes. So we're talking high end luxury for my first (laughs) car. Exactly. Exactly. And then I got uh, the Nissan Versa that I currently own. That is a 2011 and it is powder blue and it is a hatchback because you might as well go all the way in. If you're going to get a non-intimidating car, go non-intimidating as possible. and they're they're both great. Like mine's a piece of shit now because it has 150 some thousand miles on it. It's not. I, I would not put it in a race, but it's fine. The little zippy Ford that I had, fucking amazing. Like it, mm-hmm. it wouldn't accelerate great, but it was accelerate enough. And sometimes I felt like I was uh, driving Ridge Racer. 
And so I think you should only have as much car as you need. Cars are not important to me. I don't care about them. Like, I get it. If we had a better transit system in the U.S., I probably wouldn't even require one, but that's fine. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I would focus on the kind of car that is fun to drive rather than the car that is impressive to people that know about cars. But Colin is doing his thing, so. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting thing. But I, I'm, my head is with you, but I'm also recognizing that there's something in me. And oh. I don't judge anybody else by their car. Like, I really don't. Like, if oh, somebody sure. is driving some 25-year-old car that they figured out how to keep running, I kind of go like, good for you. Like, that's awesome. Yes. But I do have a thing, like, where I'm like, no, 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 no. I want I want a blah, blah, blah. And it's... Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's just... Anyway, it just strikes it's, me that, like, why are you driving that, Colin? Yeah. <laughs> like, why? I, and I should say, it's not that I... I'm completely unimpressed with cars. It's just that what does impress me is not what cars are usually advertised for. Like when the boyfriend had replaced whatever Honda, maybe a Honda Civic, some car that his mom had given him, when that needed to be replaced, he got a brand new Toyota Corolla. And I was like, the gas mileage on that shit is fucking impressive. Great job. This car, I... This is a great date night car because you are going to have so much extra money from not paying for gas in order to take <laughs> me to dinner. I like I wasn't I was like this is so responsible. So, I, I don't know. It. I love it. Mm-hmm. Y'all yeah. y'all baggage just mine's right on up, don't it? <laughs> he didn't give a shit. He was like no, it was great. cheap and it was there that's and that's awesome. all I care about. Yes. Anyway. That's great. So yeah, so Colin speeds off in uh, well not speeds off but, you yeah, know. that's a little strong. He yeah, eventually screeches, skids, sk- skids, skids off. He does make it, uh, and then we cut to the credits. And then right after that, cut to Rebecca's office where she and Keely are discussing something that is making Keely all. Eh! To which Rebecca says, "Stop!" Because when you get all. Eh! And they're having a conversation about whatever it is that is very exciting slash anxiety provoking for Keely. I think it's interesting that like for the moment of like, are you making fun of me? Right. Like I'm being my full self here. It would have been a real violation at this point for her to be making fun of her that way. Right. Right. Because around here, we all get to be who we are. Yes. So I thought that was kind of a, in addition to the joke of it all, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And I do think something that maybe first season, first episode, Rebecca wouldn't have made fun of, but would have raised an eyebrow about. And so now Rebecca's like, I'm not judging. I just also, I'm trying to speak Keely language and Keely language says that we shout when we're excited, but also made it. A hundred percent. A hundred. She would. That's great. I love, there's an embrace of people and the level of acceptance you just pointed to. Like, Mm -hmm. Because, right, because it's not as if when Rebecca, since we were just having that conversation, that if Rebecca and Sam bump into each other, she's going to go, ah, right? Like, she's, yes. that's not that's her language. But mm-hmm. if I'm talking to Keely, then it's absolutely part of the language because that's, uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yes. And I also love that this could then become part of their friendship language later. Like, there are things mm-hmm. that I say to individual friends that I don't say to other people, but this is a thing that they say. And so I'm saying it back to them because we get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We're on the same page. Yep. Yes. 
not on the same page as though as Ted when he comes in saying, uh, uh, "Hey, Bing Bongs and Ding Dongs." It, it's not. It's not the bad tested Tedism we've ever come across. <laughs> no, no, it's this goofy, semi rhymy. I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. So I was going to say, guess who's going to be, you know, featured Vanity Fair. And he, and we know at least to some degree he is kidding when he says, ooh, me, like, he, 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 I finally got it, you know, and of course, no, 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 Keely, and he congratulates her. But that, sometimes, there have been scenes where I thought, does he really not get what's happening? This one is very obviously very teasy and actually I think plays into a bit of the like if uh Rebecca's kind of Richmond's mom mm-hmm, and Ted mm-hmm, is on mm-hmm. some level Richmond's dad, like with the bed we're teasing the jokes. kid mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah, so I thought there was a little of that in there, but yeah. So anyway. No, not you, Ted. Keely. Well, this felt sort of oh god, I'm gonna forget which designer it is now, but um in uh, season one, episode nine, that was all apologies when uh, Ted asks Keely if he has been picked for some sort of ad campaign. Yes, yes, it was. Um, it, was it, it, it was. Yes. God damn it! Oh, we'll look it. it up. We'll yeah, follow yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, make yeah, this yeah. is this is why usually we keep Castleton around so he could remain <laughs> quietly in the corner googling for us when we need him to. But that's right, fine. right, right. Uh, I keep Tom Ford. To, Tom Ford. God damn it! Great job. I kept thinking Thanks. Tom Hardy, and I was like, no, that's no. not what Tom yeah, Hardy it was does. Tom, yeah, it was Tom Ford. Yeah, so Tom they were going with an everyman campaign. They exactly. Give him a call. And so this, it felt a little bit like that, but also in the same way that season two Ted is goofier than season one Ted is. Like season one Ted was like, mm. were they interested? And this one, he was like, oh my God, like, why would it be you? Did you put your right. name in? Did anybody contact you? <laughs> Do you think that they would have told me and Keely before they told you about it? Told you, Ted? right, right. Why are we informing you? Right, right, right. right. This is not the way that it should be going. But anyway, it's not Ted, it's Keely. Obviously, that makes more sense. Hey, Keely, congratulations. Uh, and she says, it's just an honor to be nominated to be so fit and successful. Which is sweet of her, considering that I don't know if she had any sort of competition necessarily. None that she knows of. She, like, she doesn't need to tell this room full of people that it's an honor just it's to be nominated. It's an honor, right. She right. could be like, no, man, fucking rocks. I... I grew up reading Vanity Fair. I'm sure that she did. I can't wait to be in it. So after they get done talking about Vanity Fair, Ted gives them uh, the biscuits and also mentions that tomorrow is Dr. Sharon's next day. We're all chipping in to get her something special. And when Rebecca asks, what did you decide on? Ted says, an envelope of cash, which I, yes, I don't know what to tell you, but that's not a bad answer. I feel uh, I, I had the same reaction. By the way, I was like, I've never been handed an envelope of cash like that, but yeah. I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad at all. I um, the Peanuts Christmas special was always on around the holidays when I was younger, especially mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of the line where Sally is asking Charlie Brown to help her write a letter to Santa, and she talks about how good she's been, the things that she would like, and she says, "Or keep it simple, just send money." How about tens and twenties? And at like, even as a little kid, I was like, yeah, what about tens and twenties? Like, 
You could, then I could do it. You could give me the money. And then I'll sort it out from there. And I'll figure it out. If you think about it, it is the way to make sure that somebody gets exactly what they want. Impersonal, yes. But a perfect gift also. Correct. Both those things, correct. Uh, He also says, you know, she accepted all of our dark secrets. So what else can you get? Kind of tough to top that with a scarf and candle, you know? Well, also, and this is by design, they got to know her as someone who could hear their deep, dark secrets, but they mm-hmm. don't necessarily know hers. They don't know. I mean, he knows, I guess, that she likes bicycles, but you're already, you know, we already dealt with the bicycle. So like, other than that, what would they get her that would say, like, I love that he said a scarf and a candle because that yes. feels like a sort of like default. Well, she's a woman. Yep. Kind of a gift. I have definitely made that joke before that for a while, the default woman gift was candles and then it switched to scarves. And then for a little bit, it was reusable bags, but those actually became so useful that I don't know if that sort of, Mm. I, I have, um, not an official rule, but like my basic rule with my friends is if I see something that I think you need to have, I will buy it, but don't ever feel the need to like, get me a Christmas present for any reason. If there is something and you're like, oh. She'd love that. You absolutely actually need this big metal bird poo techie techie with John Oliver writing on top of it, which is a present that I did get for a friend this past year because she needs, obviously, obviously you need John Oliver writing on a big metal poo techie techie. But if it's not that, don't worry about it. I don't need another candle, I promise. Um. So yes, no, Ted makes a good point about the cash. And then Higgins comes in and says that uh, Edwin Akufo wants to speak with Rebecca. And they say, oh, that's fancy. Who is Edwin Akufo? Uh, To which he replies that Edwin Akufo is a billionaire son who just inherited a bunch of money and wants to talk about possibly buying the team. Ted, Ted, of course, is sort of uh, still on his Vanity Fair article uh, wavelength. And so he we, we know that his father, Edwin Kufo's father, was the, the wealthy one. And uh, mm-hmm. Ted, Ted makes a joke about thinking it was him. And of course, the man just died. So that didn't go that didn't go over great. He apologizes for his joke, though, in true Ted fashion. <laughs> so. I mean... It, that that is one of those things where if you don't know that he's just died, the joke before this was fine, and yeah. not it, yeah. it. I do think it's a little bit weird. It, it, I think we've discussed this a little bit, but when people die, and the first thing that everyone else needs to say is "Don't speak ill of the dead," I think, oh well, that guy mm-hmm. did a lot of evil shit. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, like there's no, some no, people. Yeah, when some people mm-hmm. die, you're not like, oh, make sure you only say nice things. It's like, yeah. it, and so not that it's this telling. It's very telling. I mean, mm-hmm. like uh, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, people did not say that. When Henry Kissinger did, what? they did. Yeah, and and like preemptively, as and you point preemptively. out, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was like, I know what you're gonna say, and before and you got get this- there. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's like, okay, so if you know what I'm going to say, then, you know, um, but yes, I, yeah, that's, it's, an, it's always an awkward conversation for me. Cause I'm like, 
Well, another choice is that we could live lives that don't lead people to like <sighs> beat pans and play music when we fucking leave the earth. Like, God, <laughs> I mean, or please. at least the right people do. If upon my death, yeah, white supremacists are incredibly yes. happy. I will 100%. feel great about that. That's that's exactly what I'm looking for. Fantastic. Yeah. Great point. If if um. Well, no, I'm trying to think of a notable conservative, but they'll all be dead way before me. Fingers crossed. Either way, um, I do think that it's there are sometimes where it's saying something about a dead person in a way that is anything less than completely respectful is suddenly seen as being disrespectful. Ted wasn't actually making a joke at Edwin Okufo's dad's expense. He made a joke and it concerned a dead person. I don't think you need to apologize is what I'm saying. Right. 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 It was right. fine. Yeah. It was fine what she said, but he does apologize because he's Ted. So that's fine. And then Higgins says, Edwin just inherited 1.2 billion and loves football. And I think he wants to buy the club. At which point the reaction is uh, just the way that Keely does, putting on her lipstick and accidentally sliding it halfway across her cheek because she can't imagine the idea of Rebecca not owning AFC Richmond. Which is funny how things like that un- unfold and we're, you know, move into the, the coach's office here. But one, she hasn't had it that long. It's not like you can't yeah. remember a time mm-hmm. where that wasn't so. But I know that feeling when people come together and it's like, oh, yeah, there was a time before that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it becomes so set as like how life is that you're like, oh, right, right, right. So anyway, but yes, it was that was the that was the record scratch. Was yes. the lipstick across the Yes, teeth. exactly. It was um, I was watching a TikTok the other day. It doesn't matter. But uh, a woman was telling a story about her parents when they were in their early 20s and said, and so my dad tells them, all right, we're going to meet you at this cafe near the beach at four because they didn't have cell phones. And like, I was alive for that. I made plans. I went places. And like, I had friends and we would go places together without I cell know. phones. I know. And met at crowd, met in big crowded places, like and- met someone and went to Yankee Stadium or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. now you're like, wait, what? Like, how? Like, how, how did, did that you, happen ever? How did you even get that done? How did I get yeah. that done? I was thinking about really. how I had friends who didn't have answering machines. And so you would have to call. And if they didn't answer, you just have to wait and then call again call them later. Again. And what now? I should mention that at this point, my actual voicemail for my real cell phone where I have people call me is... uh Whoever you're trying to call, they didn't answer. It's outrageous that you didn't text them. (laughs) We now have phones that I get angry if somebody uses it as a phone for me. I'm like, why are you doing that? You're right. You're right. And not only are you right on that front, the number of times I've looked down (laughs) at my phone and be like, oh, my God, are you calling? Like, you're calling me? Why? Like, what, is, what are you why? doing? Why? why? Are you, like, how is this happening? I have yeah, a friend. Yeah. Um, she lives in uh, another state. So once a week, we have a text date so we could catch up. And one time when I was texting her, I was like, should we do this 
like on the phone? Like, should this be a phone call? And she was like, oh, absolutely not. Why? I don't even know I would suggest that. That's a terrible idea. So I don't know. It's, one generation managed to kill both the radio and the t- phone star. That's like, great. Mm-hmm. No, you're right, though. It is It is true that it is a rarity. It is truly a rarity that I use my phone as a phone. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point. There was a, a joke on The Simpsons years ago where uh, Bart and his best friend Milhouse get walkie-talkies. And they're like, this will be great if we want to talk. I just have to call you on the phone and tell you to turn on your walkie-talkie and then we could talk. But... If I need to talk to somebody on the actual phone, I will text them and say, hey, are you busy? I, yes. I'm going to call you. <laughs> like, uh, yes. On the device yeah. that I'm going to call you, I'm calling <laughs> to warn you. That, that, is, we're a, be that is an absolute thing. And I have done it many times. Countless <laughs> times I have texted, hey, um, can you chat? Like, that's a, like, that's yes. a different ask. Yes. That's a like, different ask. Like that's not just can we communicate. That's like, oh, we're doing a thing now. Yeah. And then FaceTime, forget about it. FaceTime. If I see a FaceTime pop up, I'm like, intruder. Like it's like, what oh is my happening? God. I have a friend. God bless her heart. I accidentally FaceTimed her one time. Like I, it wasn't even that I was trying to do something on the phone. Like I was putting the phone right, down, right. and it slid, and somehow something happened, and I FaceTimed her. And the bitch answered. Like, I didn't warn her. We do not talk on the phone ever. Like, we were slap friends. And she was like, do you need to talk to me? And I was like, oh, honey, you, no. One number one, don't ever do that. You never need to answer a FaceTime from me. But number two, you are so nice. You're so nice that you would answer that. I love that you're like, who answers like now you're like now's your turn to be bothered. Wait a minute. Who answers a fucking FaceTime, man? Like what is like, happening right now? I was like, Jody, we weren't even talking today. Like out of the blue, I FaceTime you for the first time in our friendship and you did it. You are a better human being than I am. That's absolutely great. Uh, so we are now in the coach's office. Uh, Beard is reading something. I can't get a good picture of what the book is so i'm gonna have to try to look that up later or maybe we'll make castleton do some work for once in his goddamn life exactly man my god (gasps) oh my kid is sick oh i have to be a good parent um (laughs) uh uh, will comes in and says hi got the suit ted bought you back from the dry cleaners now this go ahead sorry well what i was gonna say is It's it's funny when well I, he obviously hasn't done anything here, right? Mm-hmm, like so, mm-hmm. I got the, the and and Nate's reaction is so far out of whack, and it just so happens as we record this, I'm dealing, and I'm actually I'm not even directly involved, but there are two situations in my life where it is clear to me that someone's just having a shitty time. And they turned around and decided, why do I feel shitty? And they are just unloading the fucking clip on somebody who's just standing there. And where I'm like, and again, both times, I'm not the person. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, how dare you talk to me that way? Like, I'm not directly in the line of fire, but I'm standing nearby going, what the fuck? And that's kind of like, whether it's 
Ted's suit or your suit or William Shinnes like this level of emotion and anger is not in line with that mistake. Yes. Yes. He didn't destroy your suit. He just described mm. he just described it <laughs> factually. Yes. And also it was just brought up at the funeral that Ted was the one that purchased the suit for him. I like I don't know if it's entirely a mistake. I don't think that Will is like trying to rub it in his face. But right. I think Will there is no way that in real life a person in Will's position could have said that without knowing that this would be a sensitive topic for me. Ooh. Oh, now I didn't consider that. So that's interesting. So you think maybe Will is like, here you go. Here's your suit. You made me go dry clean. I I think I, I, I can't get a great read on it because Will says it in such like uh it, not scared necessarily, but like he he is not confident coming into the room like this. Like he's right. already had some bad interactions with Nate. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how not to piss him off. I am wondering mm-hmm. it, if he were trying not to pay, piss Nate off, I don't think that he would have mentioned anything about Ted. So I can't tell if this is a little bit mm-hmm. like a, you're being a dick to me, so I'm going to be mean mm-hmm. to you in this little mm-hmm. way. Uh, yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and Nate fucking deserves okay. it. Oh, yeah. No, no, I wouldn't blame Will at all. I wouldn't blame him at all. But yeah, I hadn't considered it. But it does it does hold up because at this point, Nate is so sensitive about everything everything that you would probably just keep the words to a minimum. And that's certainly more words than you needed to say. Here's your suit. Bye. Yes. Done. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's interesting. But Mm -hmm. it does also for the show, give it uh, give uh, Nate a great opportunity to yell. And tell him that, uh, yes, Ted bought the suit and then transferred ownership and it became my suit, Will. It's like, okay, well, if it's your suit, you don't need to be that worried about it. Also, who else around here is making anybody do their dry cleaning? Yeah. Nate, you used to have that job. I don't recall you dry cleaning a motherfucking thing. Like, There's also a little bit of that built into this. And having worked in Hollywood a little bit, it's not really the work I do primarily now, but the the level of like i have power over you and mm-hmm. i will make sure everyone experiences that i once i may have told you a story before but i once had a boss who i was in la they were in new york and they called me from their hotel room in new york to have me go get the new york times and tell them the weather in jesus new york. fucking christ like the weather outside their window. Like if they had just gone like like if they just moved the curtain three they inches, they could have seen. Like there's the answer to your question. Made me get up, go get the New York Times, look up the weather, and report it back to them. That's now, a real thing that really happened in real life. I have to ask, where were they staying in New York? Was this their apartment, their place, a hotel? Like what? Well, it was a hotel at this juncture i don't know if it's some but yeah it was a, in a hotel so yes also also they could have called the front, front desk, desk. Uh, also yeah like they were it was just yeah i am powerful you are weak go fuck yourself jump and, down turn around right it was like what is happening and i know that newspapers used to have much larger circulations and the new york times would not be a difficult newspaper to track down but you were still in la 
Yeah, no, it was it was completely like it was a completely insane request. Like in real time, like some of these things later, you're like, wait, why did I have to dry clean the suit? But like yes. in real time, I got up from my desk like this fucking guy. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> like, I just remember this being like, really? Yeah. Like coming home, like, you know, like you tell the story, like I came home and then I told Daphne the story. And I was like, I got one for you. Can you believe this? But yeah. So, so yeah. So anyway, but my, but with Nate, it's like, he's really loving being somebody's boss in a way that's not healthy. A way that isn't healthy. And also there is such a disproportionate effort versus wanting to make an impact in that he still only owns the one suit that Ted bought for him. He has the money at this point as an assistant coach to buy a second suit if he wants it. If you care so much about being in a suit that you need that suit dry clean the day after a funeral and you need the kit man to go do that, buy a second fucking suit. Buy a dark one so that you could wear it to a funeral. Also, by the way, how often do you wear suits? Not how very often. often. Suits? So what it, like what, what was the emergency? Yeah, yeah. Since I just so, yeah. talked about uh, how impressed I was when the boyfriend bought a Toyota Corolla, I should also say that in July of last year, we had to go to a funeral. And so I had his suit dry cleaned. I I want to say shortly after that, I dropped off. Like I got it cleaned and I was like, I'm not fucking doing this time. Next time that there's a funeral, I'm not going to have to get it cleaned the week of. I'm going to get it clean. Right. Yeah. I was like, right. I'm going to get this clean and you're going to pick it up and then it will be in your closet and it will be ready to go the next time that somebody's dad or whoever passes away, whatever it is. And in November, when he needed that suit to go out to dinner, I said, "Where? where's the suit? Why? How come it's not in your closet? Because we need to go out to dinner. Where is it? And he was like, oh, I don't think I ever got that from the dry yeah, cleaner. I, yeah. I, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was I, I was over here cringing. I was like, you never picked up the suit, did you, man? Never fucking picked up the suit. Never picked oh up the suit. <laughs> and so when I went to pick up my clothes to go out to dinner, I was like, hey, just to check, is there a suit back there by any chance? And they're like, oh, yeah, we got this fucking suit. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. A dry cleaning is, yeah. as far as I could tell, uh, a scam. I don't understand it. I don't think it should be a thing. I think everybody, this will be my one, um, Castleton, I can't have him here to say this after our shoe talk, but nobody right. should have to wear a clove, any clothes that need to be dry cleaned. We should, yes. we should be able to do away with it. It's nonsense I, at this point. I agree with it and would take it one step further, which is there was a point at which there was this dry L movement that seemed to happen in stores where I was seeing this thing and it was great because you get oh, the bag yeah, and the yeah, little yeah, drops yeah. and you put it and it really did. I, I used it multiple times. I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like, great. And then it felt like it disappeared. Like, yes, I can't prove it, but I'm like somewhere big dry cleaning was like, uh, <laughs> we got to have a talk with you. And like, I was like, wait, why did this go away? Like, this was a great fucking solution. Yeah. And then it was gone. And I'm still sort of like, yeah, why did that go away? It was a great, I remember, like, because mm-hmm. I used it when I was traveling at one point. And I was yes. like, oh, this is great. Like, I don't have to take five shirts because I can just take 
you know, two dress shirts and I just rotate them through and throw them in the dryer and blah, blah, blah. And now I I can't remember the last time I saw anything like that in a store. So I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. What, 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 what happened there? That was an actual viable solution as opposed to a lot of other shit I see around. Yeah. Anyway. I, I don't watch Shark Tank, but a podcast I listen to does watch Shark Tank and they like to talk about it a lot. Mm. And I feel like this is the kind of thing that you bring to Shark Tank and you're like, they already did it and people liked it. So we're just going to do it again. It's n- nothing new. I just need a lot of money. <laughs> right, 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 right. I don't know. We'll see. I think maybe I would need to start watching Shark Tank in order to know that. Um, after Nate yells at him, uh, Will says, right, and then leaves. Uh, we don't get a reaction shot from Beard, which I thought was not an issue, but it, it, it would have been good information to have. Right, given right. Well, because yep. we've already had Beard give Nate the talk about what he did with Colin was weird. That's right. Yeah, 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 you're right. So this feels like it should have been one of those things where Beard was either like, oh, okay, the Colin talk didn't work. We need to come back at it again. Or mm-hmm. I need to tell Ted about this. Like, if we're going to see yeah. Beard and then Nate immediately, we kind of mm-hmm. needed that follow-up of why wasn't Beard more involved? Yeah, and it is interesting because theoretically we've solved it, right? Theoretically. Yes. We had a conversation. You apologized to Colin, right? Like, so we should be better now, but we're apparently not better now. So, right. like, not just you're busted, but kind of like, what? what is the actual problem? Why are you not getting this? Because no one else at Richmond talks to each other like this at this point. Right. Like, anyone. No one. Like, he is alone in this. Yeah. And, and I couldn't tell if this was a weird actual shot that... Beard was actually in his office and not witnessing this. And this was in Nate's office. And so he didn't Uh, see it. It, Maybe That could be it. In which case I don't understand why they showed us Beard reading and then showed us Nate. Like that just seems right. It does seem they went out of their way to establish that he's around. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Good point. So I don't know that it, it gave me pause and a few questions. We'll Mm -hmm. see. Um, Especially because right after that, Roy, bursts into the room and says, uh, boy, are my eyebrows crazy. Which is definitely a thing that you would think Roy would be concerned about. Right. Also, I find, I'm feeling like it's also very, it is actually, the approach to it is very Roy, though. Like, that level of intensity. <laughs> like, like, oh, I would not sure. answer him either. No. Like, you seem very riled up about it, so I don't want to give the wrong answer here. It's you know, it's a lot. Yes. It, also, it seems very weird that Roy would be concerned about his physical appearance. That is mm-hmm. not a thing. He doesn't seem no. to be concerned about that. Um, yeah. I should also mention that at this point, Nate looks over at Beard, and Beard slowly shakes his head no. So... Beard obviously was involved in the conversation yes. with Will and He's didn't an do earshot. anything. He's an mm. earshot. He knows what's going on and he Good didn't. Point. So I I will have some thoughts later on about what responsibility the coaches had to Nate in terms of what happened with him this season. Um, but I think that this is a misstep in the show's part 
for Mm -hmm. showing us that Beard was aware of issues that Nate was having. He attempted to address them. That didn't work. And then there wasn't another follow-up. I I don't think that Nate is in the right in any of this, but I do think that he was owed a little bit more than he got. Also, and you know, you've pointed to different places where like he should have been checked and so on. I think too, in the spirit of the show, I think any let me let me back up because I, I had like four thoughts at the same time. I am I, I shared with you uh before we were recording, like I'm with I that I, I'm I'm sort of around several things right now of like problems between people. Oh, and I just said because of the, the, the information. Anyway, what what he doesn't do, what Beard doesn't do either time now, is put it seems much thought or energy into why is Nate acting like that? And I get that it's not any of our job to like do anybody else's therapy or anyone else's work. But when someone behaves bizarrely or out of, I shouldn't even say bizarrely, when someone behaves out of character, out of step with like what you would expect from them in a certain situation, I know that often my reaction is like, well, fuck so-and-so when like, What's going on with so and so is a pretty like it's also a brand of curious, not judgmental, right? Like, hey, how is it that the guy we all fell in love with and had to like basically kick out of the nest to get to give the speech has become this yes. in a year? Yeah. What's what's going on here? Like, yes. I don't. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think we'd be. It's not always easy, but when we can, I think we'd be well served to to do a little more of that. Yeah, I actually, um, uh, one of my close friends for her birthday every year, she invites people uh, to her family's cabin up on a lake. And we just spend the weekend at the beach, hanging out, probably drinking too much, but what the fuck else are you going to do at a beach? Um, and and the last, does. as one does, eating really good food. As when we were there last time, uh, the conversation came up. I can't remember what it was exactly, but basically that somebody's friend was behaving wildly out of character, like being uh, really mean and vicious and like rude in a way that was very surprising. And what the friend did was immediately say, oh my God, what's going on? Like, what's wrong? Like, I immediately knew not to go to being offended or mad right. or whatever That's else. Really, and she, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Holy shit, what is happening that you're acting like this?" Because you you don't yell at me. You've never yelled at me in our entire friendship. So what's mm-hmm. happening? And I feel like that was the group was all kind of like, "Yeah, well, if your friend out of nowhere all of a sudden starts yelling at you, like the response is what's hap- what's going on? What's hurting you that you're yelling at me? Because you don't yell." And you have to have a certain one who's in that position and does what your friend, which is impressive. You have to have a certain, um, I don't even want to say maturity. Cause I, I feel like I'm like, I feel like I'm somehow casting some aspersion on anybody who doesn't do that, but there's a certain steadiness on your feet because that's a phrase. Yes. Yeah. No, no, that no. You have to have, you know what I mean? To be able to like weather that storm from someone and not have it become yeah. What the fuck was that? You know what I mean? Because my instinct often is like, well, fuck you. And yeah. like, 
even as I'm sitting here saying you are 100% correct, I know how often my reactions have been, well, fuck you. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. My immediate reaction would also be, fuck you. It's just that then I would think, oh, wait, hold on. Better. Right. Right. Back then later, it's like, well. All right. Yeah. No, but it definitely the fact that Ted doesn't seem to be at all aware of what's happening with right. Nate. We've got no indication mm-hmm. that Ted is on the same page whatsoever. Beard mm-hmm. has an idea and has discussed it with him, but also isn't doing that deeper level, making right. sure that we understand, telling Nate that he should be acting differently. Not doing any follow up when Nate doesn't act any differently, mm-hmm. and then not questioning why it is that Nate is acting the way that he does. Yeah, and and on some level, I, I mean we we can we know some things about Nate and Nate's life and what's going on, but like if you've felt not special and ignored to the point where you couldn't even process when Ted asked your name. You couldn't even process that he actually did mean to know your name. Um, Going from that to Nate the Great to, well, I'm in pain and no one seems to be noticing probably is its own rough experience. It doesn't excuse any behavior because it doesn't make it okay that you made Will take your suit in and yelled at him about it. But I get how you got there. Yeah. It, uh, man, I promise I'm going to stop talking about Fast Car soon. But um, <laughs> the, it, 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 everybody go listen to the song. It's really good. Um, but it is about a young woman in what I imagine to be like a suburb or something. One of the lines is, we just need to cross the border and into the city. We'll both get jobs. It's about her sort of dreaming about her and her partner moving away from the small town they're in, moving to the city, and their life gets better. And they move to the city. And they can't find jobs and they're living in a shelter and they daydream about moving to the suburbs and buying a nice house. And then they move to the suburbs and they have a house and her partner is at the bar drinking more than he's seeing their kids, which mimics her dad, who she was trying to run away from in the beginning of the song. Anyway, Again, heartbreaking and beautiful, but also it's the that daydreaming about things getting better was almost better than things getting better because right. then she would reach the next thing and she'd be like, Oh, this fucking sucks. So I understand where Nate's coming from with that. Like mm-hmm. if I got to the point where I was in charge, then things would be better. And then he becomes right. in charge and it's like, now nah, this is still kind of shit. And it's not getting him to where he wants to be. What you just described is at the core of the the work I do, like our whole philosophy with the line, really, because I talk about the point being a combination of what do you want and why do you want it? And the why being the experience you expect to have. Yeah. So Nate expected if I had an office and if I were a coach and I had my own whistle and people were listening to me, I would feel, let's just call it whole. Yes. And now he's got all that shit and he doesn't feel whole. And I point out to I, I, I point out to people and I use different stars depending on the audience and try to, you know, make it someone they connect to. But we all know this story. Like imagine I, I wrote up a piece when Whitney Houston died, and one oh. of the things I said was like, you know, everybody talks about the drugs and the cigarettes and the whatever, and who knows I'm sure a vast amount of the reporting has some truth to it and fine. I said, but imagine being Whitney Houston with that voice and smoking cigarettes. Like yes. that's, and I, I remember specifically writing, that's like leaving the red violin out in the rain. Like that's really unbelievable 
Like, how unhappy was she? Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. How yes. fucking unhappy was this woman? Yeah. That, you know what I mean? And so I, th- there's there's that empty victory. I feel like that's way worse than never getting it. Like, if in, like what you're describing in Fast yeah. Car, if you never get to move to the city, at least there's the comfort of the dream of the city. Yeah. You know? But it, if you get to the city and you still feel away, that is torture. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I understand how much it sucks to feel like you don't get a shot. I'm not saying one is worse. I, I don't want to do a comparison. I'm just sure, saying sure, sure. Yeah, there, yeah. there is something about like how repeatedly disappointing it is to be disappointed by something yes. to get the experience. Yes. And then it still isn't that that's still not what you want. Like uh, this is not the same, but uh, Emma Stone has talked a lot about having anxiety and being like mm-hmm. having trouble when she isn't like going to a red carpet. If it's paparazzi, especially when she's dating Andrew Garfield, she's like that, mm-hmm. that I, I am an anxious person. Like this is bad for me. And this I think like, even when people have done the things that society says are the best, like you are an Oscar winning actress and you make millions of dollars and are gorgeous and seem like everything should be perfect. And you have anxiety. Like there are going to be things that you can't escape. And I think for somebody like Nate, when he thinks once I'm in charge, I'm not going to have anxiety anymore. Isn't dealing with the fact that he's going to be anxious and in charge and that's not going to fix it. And that's not going to fix it. And, 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 I mean, this takes us away from Ted Lasso, which is, I mean, we never do that. Um, but <laughs> I, mean, I, hate, I hate to be the first one to take us off track here. Um, <laughs> but but I've recently, I'd say over the last couple of years, yeah, it's been a couple of years and it's been a process and, and has paralleled this, um, has paralleled this podcast in some interesting ways. But that feeling like trying to get rid of it. It really is. It's, it reminds me uh, for the nerds in the uh, audience of, you know, Lady Macbeth without damn spot. Right. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. like, ah, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. like what else do I have to do? Right. Like what else? One of the things I talk, I've worked on is like, I experienced the world as like a skinny kid. Even as I grew mm-hmm, older, mm-hmm, even as I would mm-hmm. ever, like I right, and so there were situations that I now look back on where my reaction was in part fueled by, "Oh, you think you're going to bully me?" And in retrospect, and also in what people have like reported back to me in certain situations, like Orlando, no one looks at you and thinks, "Oh, there's a guy we'll all bully." Like, what are you fucking talking about? But it really is my experience. You know what I mean? Like, it really, like, I, like, I wasn't bullshitting when I was saying it. It's not where I am now. And it's not like I got any stronger. It's like, I worked on like, well, what's that about? And you have to deal with it. And, and I think in shows often, and I will say in terms of even my reaction to Nate and some of the choices that he makes, you know, with this, with Will and whatever, it's like, I know it's true. And I guess what I'm on right now is my, my reluctance, I guess is a word in some moments to just like live with that. Like to not be like, well, get your shit together, Nate. It's like, he can't Mm -hmm, get mm -hmm. his shit together. 
he's going to yell at a waitress later. He is going mm-hmm, to yell, mm-hmm. right? Like all the things that we're all like, don't do it. Like he is going to do them because he's got that going on in him and he can't fucking make it go away. Yeah. It, it, um, yeah. And, and no, that actually, it, I, I love that you said that. It is not unfamiliar to me whatsoever. Mine is uh, sort of, I, I can't tell what combination of being a woman and also being poor when we were little and a few other mm. things where like sometimes when I think that, ah, God, I feel like such an asshole saying this now. It's not like that. I'm like, Oh, are you disrespecting me? Are you, do you think you're better than me? But there's a little part where I'm like, yeah. are, you, are you, are you thinking, no, are you thinking, that's a, thinking you're better that's than a me? Thing. That's a it's thing. It's a thing. It's a fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, it, it last October, um, the my furnace here wasn't working, and I contacted I the super. Yeah, so I contacted the super. I was like, my fucking furnace isn't working. He was like, I'll have somebody over tomorrow. Nobody showed up. He didn't call. He didn't reschedule. I texted him again. I was like, Hey, what are we doing about the furnace? And he was like, Oh, right. I will have somebody over tomorrow. They didn't show up again. And what? at this point, I started losing my fucking mind. And like, right. I was right in the fact that it was October in Chicago and legally and ethically, they were required to fix my heat. So I was not freezing in my apartment, but there was also a part that I was like, you fucking think you get to treat me like this. That had nothing to do with it. Had nothing to do with it. This was not personal. He was being an asshole and he should have fixed it. And like, he was 100% in the wrong, but that wasn't about me. Wasn't about me at all. So I had to be a bitch because apparently being respectful to him was not getting shit done. So I'm like, so I got shit done, but it was afterwards that I was like, Oh, he wasn't trying to be mean to you. Like he wasn't thinking, Oh, Emily, she's a pushover. She'll fucking let me get away with this. This was just that he had too much shit going on and wasn't good at returning. He, he fucked up. He absolutely fucked up. He was not in the right. 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 Which, but there's two separate things going on. Two separate things. He fucked up and you said, and you were experiencing it as, Oh, you think you can treat me this way? Yes. Yes, and, I absolutely and, and, did. And one place where I've like actively practiced what you're saying is on the road. Because there's no place where <gasps> yes. it makes less sense to take things personally where I have taken things so fucking personally. <laughs> Like, I'm like, first of all, like, I'll be like, oh, they're not letting me in. Like, so now not only have <laughs> each of you decided I'm an asshole. You've now like mind melded through five fucking cars that'll never be in this sequence again and made a collective decision mm-hmm, not mm-hmm, to let mm-hmm. me in. And I'm mm-hmm. really, and it sounds, as I say it right now, I'm like, that sounds insane. But when I promise you, I've had that experience of the, they're not letting me in. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a real, you know, so yeah, like being able to separate those is, is important. And, and, just because something happened to you personally, I just said this to somebody like less than 24 hours ago, just because something happened to you doesn't mean it's personal, even if yeah. it affects you personally. And that is so nuanced and hard to do when, by the way, your feelings are hurt or you are the one who's sitting in the cold. Like I can yes. sit over here and pontificate, but I wasn't cold last October. It, yes. Fucking that exactly, exactly that. It's it's hard to not take it personally when it is personally impacting you, yeah. and also it, 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 exactly what you said. Like, 
did those five drivers have a CB radio where they were all like, okay, <laughs> fucking Orlando is coming down. Do not let, no, obviously not. But also there is something right. where you're like, can you be a human being for one second and yes. realize that my car needs to go someplace? Like, I mean, what do you on. want me to do with it? You guys clearly see me. Come on. Right. But yeah, I so just, it, it can be that. Yeah. But also I guarantee at least if it is anybody with a similar experience to me driving in Chicago, it is that some asshole down yes. the road didn't let you in. So you're not going to let the next person in. It's not, it's not exactly that they are making a personal, but it's, I, they didn't let me in. I'm not going to let you in. And, and and this is super touchy-feely, and I recognize that, but I actually, it's funny you landed there because I have consciously been letting people in. Like, for, good, I'd say, about good, six months. Good. I've just been, like, consciously, like, I am choosing it. Like, when I can, if I'm not going to, like, cause an accident. But, like, if when it's, like, obvious you're trying to merge... I have like consciously been like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to be a part of creating the other kind of energy. And Good. I'm hoping that that's that. sort of going to carry over into other parts of my life, really like in the other parts of my life where you just go like, how do I just change the momentum? Cause I think you're right. And I think what you just described there happens in a frightening number of places in our lives. I mean, the people yeah. who say things like, why should we have student loan forgiveness? I paid my loans. I'm like, uh, guys, guys, <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Really? Our whole reason for putting a generation of students through torture is I, too, was tortured? Like, can yes. we not do that? Yeah. And we can't get into the whole, like, rapidly inflating cost of higher education or right. the job prospects without a college degree. Can't even get into all that right now. Like just no, the way that the economics on that are so wildly fucked that I'm not sure what we're going to do in the next generation. Outside of that, yes, that's sort of like I had to deal with it. I do think that when difficult or painful things happen to people, the reaction mm-hmm. is either I lived with it, so so should you, or... Yes. I lived with it, so let's not let this happen again. Exactly. And and either, by the way, can be taken to an unhealthy place. Oh, yes. I am so glad that you said that. Oh, yeah. No, like, let's not make this good and bad. Like, No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. no. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. there are definitely some times where it's like, if you try to shield people, especially kids, uh, yes. too much from the realities yes. of the world, then you end yes. up with... I fucking didn't want to talk about rapists today, but you end up with goddamn Brock Turner where you're like, oh no, he he's like, real good at swimming. Fuck? He can't be in trouble for the shit that he did. So yes, right. it's- it I'm obviously it's, laughing at the like- The absurdity, yeah, no. The, the evil absurdity, not that mm-hmm. it's funny, mm-hmm. but like, just like you go, well, what the fuck? Yeah. So at any rate, yes, Nate is out here just- Oh, right. This is about Ted Lasso. momentum. <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> and and here comes. I got a photo shoot with Keely tonight, and um, and the photo shoot coordinator told me my eyebrows are crazy. And of course, then Nate yes. wants to know, Jesus, are my eyebrows crazy? And yeah, now something everybody he didn't know to worry about, but now he's got something. Now he's got that to worry about too. Oh my god! I I at a different point will rail more against uh, the beauty industrial complex, but Mm. I was thinking the other day about there was a period in my life where I didn't think about my eyebrows ever, never Mm. once considered them. 
And then I turned 20 something and everybody was waxing their eyebrows and they needed to be pencil thin in this level. And now they need to be big. And I don't know mm. how to grow eyebrows more than I am. So like if every few years you just get to decide that eyebrows are going to like go the same way as skinny jeans and flares. Like, right, right, right. I'm going to have to jump off at some point and just stick with whatever is popular at the time because I can't keep fucking doing this. Listen, I I hear you and I, I'm very curious because I know people is fun to make fun of. And then the, I know the mm-hmm. eyelash thing got completely like, whoa, like this is a lot, y'all. But I've, I'd love, and I'm sure someone out there is studying it or, 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 or will, I'd love to figure out what that need is in us. Like what's being served by, I was watching, yes. a, 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 I think an equivalent thing, not the same thing, but an equivalent thing. Um, I saw a, a, a basketball commentator, or whatever sideline type person. He's he goes to interview Chris Paul, uh, who's at this game for whatever reason, and Chris Paul like essentially makes fun of his of the guy's pocket square, and it's that this you know in 2024 we're wearing it you know just uh, you know folded simply and square to your pocket and in, and the guy had like kind of like it tufted it up, and I thought, well. I get it. Fashion is fashion. And then I Googled it because I'm also part of this society and I'm not mm-hmm, pretending because mm-hmm. I noticed these things that, so I was like, Oh my, I, I had a panic. Panic is not too big a word moment of, Oh my God, have I been wearing my pocket square wrong? And I thought, wow. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a real thing. I am mm-hmm. actively worrying about to the point where I'm now going to take time in my life to research Mhm. Mhm. And I'm like that this is this is bonkers y'all. Like I'm not saying that someone shows up to your dinner party in an adult diaper and we're not all like hey what's going on? Yes. But your pocket square is wrong or like your eyebrows are wrong. Like I don't know. Somehow yeah. what is it what are we doing there? And I'm really asking the question, what is that that we're doing? It's odd. It's extremely odd. I think I will always go back to not necessarily fashion, but because fashion is part of the larger, you know, again, beauty industrial complex. um, If somebody could convince you that there's something wrong with you, they could sell you something to fix it. That's right. So it's always that. It's always that whatever your skin is like, if you're a woman, whatever your skin is like, it should be Mm -hmm. smoother, softer. And mm-hmm. uh, have less hair, almost entirely, mm-hmm. except of course for mm-hmm. the thick eyebrows. Now those are big, and right. leading to the point right. where I'm contemplating getting Rogaine specifically for my eyebrows, <laughs> just to see, just to see <laughs> if I could oh, move. God. If I could move the hair from my upper lip and chin to my eyebrows, I would do set. But I can't set. figure out how to do right. that, so that's fine. Right. I have both facial waxing and hair growth on the same area. It's fine. Um, but I also think that a big, a big component of fashion is just gatekeeping. Like mm-hmm. 90% of table manners is yes. what rich people used to do because they had 15 yeah. servants at each dinner. And yes. so you needed to know that you right. use the little fork first and then move it. 100%. That's not about being rude. That's not about like you burped and farted at the table and we consider that to be rude here. That's just 
if you don't know this, we know that you're an outsider and we could judge you for mm-hmm. that. So if you're not doing your pocket square the right way, you don't have the time, money, effort to put into learning that that's how we do it the right way. Exactly. Which, and there is too something around it's I like that you brought class into it because also you have the freedom, power, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever resources to give a shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cuz I promise you no one who's starving to death gives nope. a fuck about which fork. Yep. <laughs> like yep. they'll eat it with their hands, right? But like somehow you know, we get to it. So yeah, it's, it, there's there is a class component to that too. If I've got time, yeah. Someone said that to me about nails. I thought it was interesting. Like when people wear really people, when women generally, yeah, generally. wear really long nails, that it's 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 a signal, right? Like I don't do labor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, oh wow. Yeah. Like I'd never considered that before. Like of course, because if you you know if you if you're a fucking carpenter. Then you can't have those nails. Right? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, but, oh, yeah. It's definitely a clash issue. I think also the part that bothers me so much is fashion can be very fun. Like picking the clothes that you want to wear right. can be very a, a great form of self-expression. And mm-hmm. you could go outside of what is expected and do something really cool and fun. Um, one of my roommates in college used to wear pants underneath her dresses which at the time, not a lot of people were doing. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. That's fun. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm, somehow mm-hmm. it became a staple of the red carpet and it was no longer fun. But that is usually the way that things go. Like usually right. it is especially younger people doing shit that they they don't have a shit ton of money. So they will go thrifting and find something cool or make something or buy something cheap and turn mm-hmm. it into something extremely cool and fun. And then the rest of us are like, oh, we're going to steal that. And that's ours like now. That. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's, it's it, that that is also fascinating and I don't know what we do with that, but that there's a feedback loop yes. built into it that is not yeah, that is exactly what you described. And I remember being told that about the fashion world about um like pe- like fashion designers actively going into Harlem specifically. Yes. And just watching what kids were doing and then taking that and making it quote fashion and mm-hmm. there's something i mean it, yes it can be exploitative i'm not gonna dismiss any of that stuff but i there is something fascinating about we're gonna somehow manage to take something from the people we put down when we do it it's gonna be awesome but we will continue to make fun of them for doing it it's like yeah, oh yes how do we get there like how do we pull that off like that's pretty <laughs> pretty impressive I, mental gymnastics. I I'm going to say that sometimes, like I think a lot about how uh, Madonna was actually very much in the voguing scene when she came up with Vogue. Like mm-hmm. those were people that she knew, and she hired mm-hmm. people she knew to be dancers in the video and then with her on tour. Sometimes it is about like it, uh, bringing attention to advertising, like saying, hey, this is cool and fun and everybody should be doing it. And then sometimes you got fucking Ben Shapiro who talks shit mainly about black people all the fucking time and about Mm. how terrible certain segments of the population are Mm -hmm. doing a rap about how great he is. I'm Ah. like, bitch, 
Bitch, number one. Are you, you serious? I'm fucking serious. This is a thing that he did recently. Wow. Like, you're going to shit wow. on black culture and you're going right. to shit all over everything that you now think that you can do. And when you do it, you think it's okay. You, right. number one, you think what you're doing is rap. That's fucking garbage. What you're doing is not rap. <laughs> what you're doing so is. Let's start there. So right, let's right, start right. with that. What you're doing is uh, slightly less good than Bob Dylan and fucking, I'm not remembering the song right now, but I will look it up. Like sort of fast paced rhyming is what you're doing. I kind of remember this, but go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. The shit you're doing is not rap. It is not talented. You are saying nonsense. And also you are doing the thing that you are shitting on other people for doing because you, it's not that you dislike the thing. It's that you're trying to keep them down. And when you do it, it's fine. So then we have, they want to do an at home life with a footballer. Um, she also told me I got to wear all black so that Keely pops. Where's so, he ever, so- ever going to find an all black outfit? I know, I know. I'm like, did they make you wear all black, really? Um, but yeah, it's interesting, that whole idea, though, that this is about her. You are, you're very accustomed to being, they say in all relationships, there's the flower and the gardener. Like, he's, in most of his life, the flower, although he would never think of himself in those terms. But they are saying, oh, no, 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 you're the gardener in this. And so... He's he's processing that a little I, bit. I don't I'm not familiar with that. There in all relationships there's the flower and the I garden. forgot where I, mean, I heard it first, so I apologize for not attributing it. But yes, that the idea being that in relationships there tends to be someone who's the care I shouldn't say the caregiver, because I think that takes us in the like labor stuff that I'm not trying to be in. But emotionally, that one person is usually the the flower of the two, the one who's sort of like being nurtured to grow and and be um it, it, not I actually, pretty I, literally but yeah sorry go ahead uh, no 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 i was gonna say i've heard a similar thing before and i don't think that it is necessarily this is the way one person is the whole time and this is the way the other person is the whole time but more so that in a right, relationship too. you have to kind of take turns where one person is going to be the nurturer and one person is going to be not a performer but kind of a performer like one person is trying to accomplish something and the other person is being supportive. Yeah. And it should be roughly half and half. Like there shouldn't be one person that's always taking care of the other person's shit, mm-hmm. but that relationships, even like outside of romantic relationship, friendships and those types of things where you, you give so the other person can do. And then the other person gives so you can do. You can do. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, also before Kathy comes through my microphone and chokes the life out of me, the song I was thinking of was Subterranean Homesick Blues, which if I had not gotten right as a lifelong Bob Dylan fan, she uh, would have killed me the next time that she saw me. So that's it. <laughs> there you go. Good. Okay. So they want to do an at-home with the footballer shoot, but they won't even use it, uh, Roy says. And um, that's probably, you know, he's been enough of these things to know, like, a lot of stuff ends up on the cutting room floor. Um, as soon as he, uh, while, while he's unloading his, his sort of items from his bag into his office, we see that Nate and Beard are both kind of messing with their, <laughs> their own eyebrows. I don't think touching your own eyebrows really gives you a sense of if your eyebrows are whack or not. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I think 
I don't know. I, I, I would, they would have to be really bushy for you to get a sense from your fingertips. I'm doing it right, right now. Right, right. Everybody in the listening audience, please touch your. <laughs> t- I, I like the thought of of thousands of people just rubbing their <laughs> their eyebrows for no reason, no right. damn good reason. Um, but yeah, I think you'd have to be really um, if they're that bushy to the touch. You would probably have a sense of it. Um, I think too, though. Go ahead, coach. Because we kind of touched on this, but like that they. I'm sure neither of them has spent one second, certainly today and maybe any day until that was said, thinking about whether or not they had crazy eyebrow. Like, I, I don't think much about my eyebrow. I can't, you know, it's just not a thing. I, I never did until my, my college age daughter told me that one of the things she resents me for is that she has my eyebrows. That's and I was like, wait, what? Great. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, yeah, I have your like, you know, Walter Cronkite. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I have no, she's like, I'm a woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. need, I don't need full on, <laughs> like, you know, whatever, caterpillar. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so uh, not that I have like notable eyebrows in any way, but to her who has taken the time to look at her eyebrows, she's like, thank you. Uh, thanks for nothing. Um, okay. So yeah, uh, she's going to tell me I wear black. Uh, so Keely pops. Uh, and, to which Nate says, you're always wearing black. And 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 what does Roy say here, boss? Says charcoal heather. Yeah, yeah. He's like, how do This is not dare? black. This isn't black. Yeah. Uh, dark heather charcoal. Sorry, I sh- should have spelled yeah. that. Yeah, Neanderthals. I mean, come on. Everybody that is, knows that. That, that, is not, that is not purple. That is lilac. Um, mauve is another thing I've heard. I'm not great with colors. Like it's like, I'm not at it's, all. It's green ish. It's fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, dark, uh, Heather charcoal and in walks head. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys, uh, got into the, Oh damn it. I missed, I think one of my favorite lines of the episode where, was it where he did? I miss the part where he screamed like uh, that he was going to be in Vanity yes, Fair. And we, he just yes, we did that. about it. And did you like it or not like it? I said it was goofier. Uh, for me, it was than like first quintessential. Oh, I thought it was goofier than that. Oh, goofier. Oh, no, I loved it. Like, oh, you, you got a call from God. Like, it, it was, I was like, oh, yes, this is like really nerdy, super, super dorky, but like committed to the bit, Ted. Right. Which I which I really love, and like has a lot of energy, which, which you know, the longer we we were around Ted, the, the more other things ebb and flow into his character. So it right. like kind of, uh, you know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, it I, takes the shine off some of these jokes. I, I think, yeah, we we I mean, we certainly noted it and noticed it. I, it's it's where we landed on it, um, or I not landed. I mean, we talked about it, but. That he he's so aware of it, and Rebecca is very much plays a bit of mom with Keely, so it felt very like super dad joke ish, like both in the type of joke it was, uh, or is, but also in terms of like his delivering it that way as Rebecca's trying to tell him. Um, so yeah, right. so so, right, so, right. so that's it. I, I, for me, there are moments where Ted makes jokes kind of like that, where I don't know whether to read it as he really did jump to a wrong thing or he is doing a bit. That was clearly a bit. 
that was a bit. That's a hundred percent. I mean, but I think yeah, there are yeah, other was, there yes. are other jokes. Like I, I don't know when he said you talk to God. Part of me still like I'm like that has to be a joke, but was it a joke? Like did his brain take him to that, and then he had to be brought back. Um, but this is clearly there's no question here. Yeah. Well, he's just committed to the bit, and 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 he he's on a. In, in the opening of this uh, episode, he is uh, he's like moving at bullet train speed with his comedy and with his like. So when he walks in on the, on the charcoal Heather, bam, he's in through the door. Oh, I love hearing fellas debate fashion. Who's winning? Like, li- like right away. It's not like he just makes a comment. He's also asked them a question. Right. So, the, the, you know what I mean? Like he's, right. uh, you know, he's he's like sort of moving it at, at uh, breakneck speed and. To match him, all of a sudden Nate gets up and says, "Hey, uh, uh, Ted, I got a, I got a new tactic I want to show you." Um, like grabs his clipboard. Can I run a new tactic by you? Nate says, "Right before even Ted uh, has a chance to sit at his desk," and, um, and and so sort of matching that frenetic pace. Um, and this is this is interesting. Um, Ted does like it's not sure. And it's not like some rhyming couplet that may have been. Um, we got a lot of them this season, you know, like uh, or like I'm trying to think about the laziest version of a Ted Lasso. Joke oh, is. you missed it. It's so uh, like, <laughs> Bing Bong, you ding dongs. When he came into Rebecca's office, the doorbell. That's that, that is. Yeah, that one. That one's right. OK, even for well, an because apologist, the elements, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Even, really yeah well, that's the thing. So like um, like. Uh, yeah, all, I guess all ears, right? It, it would be something I'm all ears or uh, you have my attention. Um, so it would be something like, um, well, I'm, uh, I'm like a guard of the tomb, the tomb of the unknown soldier because you got my attention. You know, like mm-hmm. there's there's mm-hmm. that like you you go backwards to from the, the right. From like, the pe- yeah, right. right to the thing, which is like the. Like when P- I, you know, when the, when the staff is writing these jokes, they're going, they're like, okay, I need a Ted thing here. How does he do? You know, it's like really mm-hmm. sort of obvious. Uh, you can run, run it, walk it, cartwheel it to me. I don't care. That's a little bit of a different uh, sort of element to it. Call me Dumbo. Cause I'm all ears. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's worth noting and actually coach you, 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 you put me on to something. We, I think it's, it, it makes more sense to discuss it later in the episode. He is as I'm sorry. It makes more sense for it to discuss it later in the episode. Just hold that thought. Yeah, but <laughs> let me. Let, no, 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 he, no. We can no. Sorry, but, yeah, sorry. Just yeah, to yeah. plant the seed, he is as quintessentially Ted Lasso, the character. We've learned more and more about the man, right? But everybody gets to see the character. He is more Ted Lasso, the character, in show terms than we've seen him be in a long time. And I think that's dramatically significant in a way that I hadn't processed before that. So I, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into it more, but he is super Ted Lasso. He ding dong, your bing bongs, call me dumb. I'm all ears. You can cartwheel it, run it. Like there's a lot of that like rapid fire mm-hmm. coming out of him right now. Yes. And, and why is that? Yeah. What did ha- what happened last episode to, to clear his mental it, palette cash, yeah. so that he can go back to right clear his cash that's exactly it right his emotional cash was bumping into his shtick 
So I think it's really interesting that you guys are picking up on he seems uh, relieved, like literally relieved of whatever it was that had been bothering him, you know, elated by that. I read this slightly manic. I thought a little bit that they're like in the way that you ping pong in between emotions when you're going through deep shit like this, like you go from feeling so down that yeah. relieving some of that makes you feel really great, but it may be an off-putting way for a little bit. And then you kind of find your happy medium. This feels a bit like the energy of, um, I started to walk to work, but then I got lost. Nothing like being lost in place where you yes. do it. Yes. And oh, my, sweat, my sweater's on backwards. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? We should all have nicknames for each other. This has yes. a little bit of that brand of happy. Yes. Yeah. A little, um, mm-hmm. don't want to beat around the bush. Don't want to procrastinate. Procrastinate. That's an interesting word. What do you think? That yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes. So we'll see where it goes, but I, I do think he's, he's still doing, he's maybe not as out of the emotional woods as, as he would like to think he is, or as he might want to be portraying that he is. Yeah, that might be true. Um, uh, Comic Dumbbells come all ears. Nate is not even looking at him. Ted's looking at Nate with a big smile on his face. Nate is like looking at Beard for a translation. Uh, he's like, Is that a yes? It's, it's like, Yes. Okay. Um, he doesn't even, he's like, <laughs> It's like, he doesn't even wait for Ted. There's no affirmation from Ted because Ted has been saying yes as far as Ted understands. He's like, I've said yes three times. I, Beard finally says yes. Okay. Uh, when we play Brentford, we, we should play with a false nine. Um, Ted's watching this. Uh, couldn't agree more. What is it? Play without strikers. Uh, uh, Roy says, okay, wait, so Jamie and Danny ain't going to play? Uh, and he says, no, they do. Uh, this is this is Beard now, who has read all the books, uh, but they play in midfield where no one expects them to be. Mm, the plot thickens. Yeah, I see. So, okay, so we got both our aces tucked up our sleeves, huh? And um, uh, that's the, uh, you know, he click he clicks the uh, clicks his tongue like he likes it. Love that. That's fun. That's also what Beard Rebecca says, got. You, you got it for welcome. You know, I'm at your father's uh, funeral. That, that. Uh, oh, yeah, yes, just to yes. Highlight that. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, good catch. Uh, okay, today let's go ahead and try out your fake nine, uh, and walks away and pats him on the back. To which Nate says, "What boss? False nine." False nine. Yeah. Yeah. False nine. Ted doesn't you, uh, know the terminology. It was yeah. the subtext yeah. there. Mm-hmm. He's a real, real hayseed. Here we go again. Nate said. Now, Ted is out of the office at this point. Nate looks at Beard and says, Here we go again. Give Ted another idea. He'll take all the credit for it. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. I, I'm watching this. We're, we're, we're at the uh, penultimate episode of the second season, the glorious second season of Ted Lasso following up the masterpiece first season. And I'm going, what the hell? What? Oh, so this is what they're going to do. They're, they're going to, they've decided that this is the wrinkle. You know, this is where you have to enter. I mean, it depends. Different shows do it different ways. I talk a lot about how when you get to 10, 11, 12, you know, you're going to be shooting those. You generally put a lot, put some of your best writers on that. You make sure the show is tight so it gets another season. Nine is where you clean up. Eight and nine are the episodes you clean up a lot of mess that you've made. <laughs> whoever you 
whoever you, uh, I don't say you I say you put your best writers on the end of the season, but sometimes you put like, there's a different skill set to a writer that can pull off the eighth and ninth where they're juggling everybody else's crap. And they're like, okay, yeah, I know why we did this. And they're like, what's the resolute? How quickly can we get through this? How can we get to a satisfactory mm-hmm. result on this subplot that was really maybe not the best idea? So, but in 11, now we're introducing something that you have the sense. I, I remember the first time I saw this, I thought, okay, so credit is something now with it. Like he's not getting enough credit because. The line is, give Ted another idea that he'll take all the credit for. And I was like, you know, I've seen a lot. I've, I've seen, I've seen the, I've seen the pyramids. I've seen the uh, Turkish prison. Um, what I haven't, what I haven't seen is Ted take credit for anything ever. Right. Like it is not in his ethos. Well, I, I, I'd look at it from the other because I agree with you, and I think part of the reaction in the scene says that Roy and Beard are also about to agree with you. But I think we, we did touch on Nate's continuing. He He's like, I still don't feel like a big boy. Like I want to feel like a big boy. I, I, I make people do my, my dry cleaning. I, this, I, that, I, whatever. And I still don't feel that. And so I think he's now looking for another reason why he must be feeling this way. And now it's that he's so brilliant, but no one's recognizing his brilliance because Ted Lasso was taking credit for it, which is like, not at all. You just are turning around and trying to figure out how to attribute the feeling that you're having. I will only say that a few episodes ago, Nate said, I'll be the big dog that'll go talk to Isaac. And we all giggled because Nate is not, and Nate, honey, you don't have a lot of insight into who you are. You are not the big dog. But what Ted didn't say was, you're not a big dog right now, but let's work on getting you to the place where you are the big dog. What he said was, oh, no, That's no, a no. Good point. I need to go get Roy. That's and then he point. spent a lot of time and a lot of effort trying to get Roy onto the team instead of putting his energy into getting Nate to a place where he would be the big dog. I'm not even saying that it's necessarily Ted's job, but what I am saying is Nate made it clear in his prof- place of prof- his place of work in to his boss. He said, "I want to be able to do this thing," and his boss, who is supposed to be helping with that, can't, yeah, or won't. So I- yeah. I'm not saying that Nate is right to feel like he's not getting enough credit, but I will yeah. say that Ted isn't necessarily doing enough this season to get Nate to the place where that he wants him to be. Yeah. It, that's a, that's a really interesting, because that is Ted, right? If there's anything that is quite Ted, it's what you just said. Like you're right. Right. Like you, Oh, you want to be a big dog? Well, let's see about that. What, yeah. what could we do to help you be and, or feel like a big dog? I was just watching this kind of random, but it, I was watching um, this video, random video online and it was of Eli Manning. Um, unlike your Ben Shapiro story, uh, <laughs> rapping, and he was doing this thing, he's supposed to be battle rapping, somebody. it's Eli Manning, right? So we understand. But what I wrote, my comment was, is there anything cooler than someone who knows they're not cool? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
There's not like to me like those are some of the coolest people in the world. People who are like, oh, I'm the talk- opposite you're- of fucking cool. Like I am, not- and you're talking about Eli Manning yes, right now. And Eli his is entire- so good at that. It's un- oh my god, fucking believable. He's so I self-aware that he is the opposite of cool. Like he has two Super Bowl rings, and most sports fans would not say he's the best quarterback in his family, and he mm-hmm, still. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is fine. Like he is, and I love it. Like I he's just the fucking love it. If you ever saw the SNL episode that Eli Manning hosted, the concepts of the episode were uh, like the two best sketches were uh, Eli Manning trying to do his signature move, and they were like trying to coach him oh, through yeah, like yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. shooting mm-hmm. commercial, and he wanted his signature move would to be, and I quote, he finds a sandwich on the ground. Gets excited, picks it up, and eats. It. <laughs> that was what he's like. Yeah, that would be that would be ideal. Is what his response to that? They're like, that's what you want your signature move. And the other sketch he was in that was amazing was him in a courtroom reading brutal texts that he had sent to people it, trying to get late night hookups, like booty calls. At one of that's which was funny. that he spelled the word cool. You're saying he doesn't know. He knows he's not right, cool. Right, right. That he spelled the word cool, K-E-W-L, awesome. and pronounced it cool. cool. Right. That's awesome. And you're telling me that it, isn't it was, cool. Right. That didn't work. It's a gr- oh. He's the greatest. Mm. Some things are making more such... sense. There. Right, right, right. Oh, no, no. But, I, but I so, so to me, this is the opposite. Like that moment with Nate is the opposite of that. Like it's, yes. it's, it's him. Like. Sure, we can all work on helping you with your confidence and we can all help with a lot of things. You're never, ever, ever going to be that dude. Yes. And what would make you really cool, actually, is if you recognize that and figured out how to be Nate. Yes, 100%. I I will fully admit, and luckily I was a child, so I I feel like I I can give myself some credit for this. but in fourth grade, my elementary school put on uh, Alice in Wonderland. And I was like, oh, fantastic. I'm going to audition and become Alice. I'm going to be the person that not only sings, but also acts well enough that I could be the star of the show. And then they were like, oh, no, you're going to be one of five Cheshire cats. You're not even going to be the Cheshire. You're going to like wear a big sack and it's going to be striped. And it's you're and you're not you're not a flower. M. And you are, you are not going to be one of the tulips. That is not who you are. You're going to be a Cheshire cat. And I was like, all right, I got it. And I did, I like legitimately, obviously, since I'm talking about it now, I did take to heart. I'm like, "Mm, you are, you are not a ballerina. That is not who you're going to be. You're going to have to figure out your thing. It's going to be something else. And it might involve stripes still well into your future. Cause God knows I love striped shirt. But I do think that it is uh, telling that Nate has so little self-awareness, but also that Ted isn't picking up on his yeah. lack of self-awareness yeah, to that say that like, needs to be addressed. Right. We, we need to, we need to redirect this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, 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 all that. Yeah. But, but Nate, Nate's on it now. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So we'll go, we'll go with it. It was, it was something that really bumped for me as a viewer of the show. And I was like, Oh God, don't do that. It didn't feel to me that it was, um, uh, like sort of congruent with like his, his journey, especially considering how, you know, wait, he knows my name. 
I, I can believe that somebody would sort of lose sight of things. It, like that, that people have the capacity to go from a terrible situation to an amazing situation and then look to get, look a gift horse in the mouth pretty quickly. I think that's like part of the human condition. Um, but for it, for, uh, when they started, I was like, I wish this had been okay, okay. Because here's the thing you write anything, there's three acts, right? First act is you put your character in a tree. Second act is you throw rocks at your character. Third act, is you get him down or her down, right? Um, Vonnegut always talks about how you've got to be a sadist with your character, like just abuse your character beyond all reckoning and it just make the story better. It's like what people want to read. So you can't have, if you're trying to set up the next season um, of Ted Lasso, you cannot have a, what are you laughing at boss? What happened? What the fuck did I say? Okay. Um, You can, I'll do it. I'll do it because now you're going to be distracted and you didn't do anything. So you, you sent a note in our show chat and I wrote back cool, but I wrote it. K E W L. Cool. Oh, 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 oh shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fuck. Everything's cool. Don't worry. Don't worry. Coach. Everything's cool. That was me starting some shit in class. Yeah. We got to, you know, boss, we should put that, we should put that in the, uh, on the community site. Just, just a link to those. Those are such good sketches. Eli just ripping on himself. Oh, he's such a peach. Anyway, um, uh, where was I? Uh, oh, okay. So your character. So you ha- you know you're trying to introduce some dynamic to Nate where he falls out of the graces of whatever. It's just really hard to believe that it would be something that w- – like the flashlight beam is pointing at Ted. That, that That's really hard for me. Really? Once we know who Ted is. Yeah, it's really hard for me. To, like I could see Michelle – getting frustrated with Ted over blah, 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 blah. Like if I was living with Ned Flanders, I would also be like enough is enough. But like uh, up until this point, I have never seen any single shred of evidence that Ted isn't trying to make everybody around him better and minimizing his involvement in it and, and the, the impact. So it's very, okay. So let me just continue this. Mm -hmm. I know boss, you have something to say, just let's, let's go. It says, give Ted another credit. Uh, thing he takes credit for. Nate uh, uh, Roy says that's the job, son. Now Nate turns around. And he goes, "You guys ever want to be in charge? Uh, be the boss. Get all the credit." And and I was like, "Okay." I was trying to think. I was like, "All right, okay." So this is the choice. I, I was like very aware of it in real time, which is not a good thing because you want the suspension of disbelief to be carrying you through. But I could see the strings, like the puppeteer strings. I'm like, okay, we're making a choice here. Like, we're making a pretty big choice. The choice is Nate is feeling impinged by the fact that it's not his, he's not in charge and he's not the number, like the, you know, he's not the final say. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to believe that after like he was a literal shit kicker, but like, okay, like, okay. Like, and, and that he's going to be mad at the person who elevated him precipitously. Um, in my experience, I don't think, uh, again, I could be wrong. I don't believe Kitman to coach is like even a trajectory that's believable in the same organization. I think if you were like the Kitman for, uh, for United, right. And then you came to America and coached, you know, a, a junior professional team. And then you got on, I could see it like if it was a bunch of lateral moves to get back to a coaching level, I could see that, but it, it just seems like. That that's in the world of soccer. That is like saying, um, 
the guy that cleans the dugout is now going to like be the third base coach. And you, and you go like, wait a second, like that is a, that is a hell of a promotion. And so we're going to actually believe that the person that made that promotion happen is now the, fo- the focal point. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to just finish here. Beard and, and Roy look at each other. You know, we used to believe that trees competed with each other for light. Susan Simard's field work changed all that. Now we realize forest is a socialist community. Trees work in harmony to share the sunlight. And to which Nate responds, can't you just give me a straight answer for once? Right. And Roy, you know, who's Roy, Roy is not big up on book learning. And yet he's like, uh, pretty sure he just did. like Nate is supposed to be a, yeah, you're not hearing him, you know, like, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how, how Nate is, I would say Nate is theoretically more, you know, well-read or book smart or whatever than Roy historically. And yet Roy, it was like obvious what the answer was. I think he just did. And Beard nods. Uh, right. When this works, which it will, I'm telling everyone it was my idea, which it was. And then he walks out. And now we get a look from Beard uh, to Roy. And the, and the show chooses for, the bo- for both of these guys to ignore it. And Beard looks at Roy and says, your eyebrows aren't crazy. So, boss, I know you've been biting your tongue. I don't want you to end up like going through all the way. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see the floor. I had a, a couple of reactions there too, but I think there's some interesting conversations here. Well, of course, we have pushed that right up against. Uh, uh, no, sorry. Actually, let me restart that. I want to hear what you have to say. Also, uh, the only thing I want to say. Castleton is that you were thinking that Nate is imagining this from a rational perspective, that what he recognizes is I was the kit man. Ted gave me a huge shot. I need to continue proving myself. And then eventually I might be able to obtain the job that I want. That isn't how he's reading this. What he is reading is I have always been special. I have always been somebody that is underestimated that people do not recognize as being smart or good enough. Ted started to see that. He saw it a little bit, but he isn't seeing it all the way. He Ted should know. If Ted were really good at this, Ted would know that I should be at his level at least. Ted, Ted probably should have said, Nate, you've known football your whole life. Maybe you should be the head coach and I should be your assistant coach because that is his feeling on it. Yeah. He is not coming from this from a, 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 yeah. a thinking perspective, his feeling is somebody is supposed to recognize that I'm as good as I've always known I have been, and then I will stop feeling shitty. And if he doesn't stop feeling shitty, that is because then, people haven't recognized him enough. So when you have a bottomless pit of need for male validation, it is bottomless for a reason. You are never going to get to a point where you're like, oh, that's enough validation. You're going to constantly... Yes, I will. Oh, of course. Shit. Sorry. Sorry. Literally, you can't. That is not a thing that you could fill in. Like, if you were looking, what you need to do is put the bottom on that, and then you will feel okay. You can't fill it in if it's bottomless. Yeah. I'm, I'm with that. I would add to it that he, he, if it's it, not only that it's bottomless, but he's not even sure what it is he wants. Yeah. Because he's, because he's actually gotten credit. He got credit last year 
when 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 like you know last season for us, but earlier in the show, like, hey, whose player is that? That's pretty impressive. Oh, that's Nate the Great. You know, you're handing this over to a kit man. Oh yeah, he's a genius. You know, so it is. It is on Nate feels a certain thing, and he cannot get rid of it, and so he's gonna blame whoever is standing there. And I'd also put into this, and I think kids do a version or do versions of this. So I think you'll get it as a parent, where like your kid will lash out at you about X, Y, or Z, and maybe they don't like broccoli, but what the fuck was that? And then you find out that like their friend was being shitty to them, or they feel bad about some test, or they whatever it is. But you're safe. And if their friends are pissing them off and they go off on their friends, they might lose those friends, but they're not going to lose you. And I think there's a safety in Ted because he's Ted that you can like be angry with him or behave out of line in some ways with him and know that he's going to be Ted about it. That you wouldn't aim the same kind of behavior necessarily at Beard because there's a sense that Beard don't give a fuck. Yep. Yep. Beard Beard is happy to be a tree. Beard does not need the same validation that Nate does. And so Beard is looking at it like the entire team needs to work together in order to make this work. Nate is thinking, number one, he wants all that validation. And number two, not having it and then having somebody pay attention to you, make you special in that way, even if they are not stopping that even if they just can't keep upping it over and over again then it is going to for you feel like a loss if they pay attention to anybody else you're going to think why the fuck aren't i special what how come you're not paying attention to me um there's a line in mythic quest where somebody says he knows how to shine his light on you and it's so much colder when he takes it away like it, it once you have it if you have any less of that it feels significantly worse and so you need it to keep upping if you're going to like it over and over again. I'm just smiling because I know who that's about. I know Ian is. It's, it's just, it's, that show is show's so really good. good. We got to get coaching. Oh my God, that show's good. Um, yeah, so, so good. Um, I, I thank you. Great analogies, great examples, coach. You're exactly right about the, that, that it's uh, your safe place for your children. It's a, it's a great example. Um, listen, it's a bold choice. Because like here's what everybody does. They just go, oh, he, you know, the, the, you show a shot of Nate, um, you know, looking at a at a pub or something. Uh, this is the generic choice, you know, after a game, everyone else having fun, and he's like, maybe I will try alcohol for the first time. And then you show Nate like going to the pub again by himself. That's it. That's what everybody. That's like the generic. It's like, oh, make him, um, you know, this or make him that. And they're trying to do something more subtle to say like, oh, I want validation. Um, and so, uh, you know, you have to give him credit for that. I, I still, yeah, as, as right as you all are and as exact, uh, as the, as the, uh, as uh, the, the exactitude with which you've given examples is, is excellent. I still felt like when I was watching this, I was looking at some of the architecture, yeah, yeah. Which, which I wasn't able to just enjoy it. I was like, Oh, come on. And then the fact that beard and, uh, Roy didn't jump in like big brothers to do kind of course correction. We're talking about having boys and mm-hmm. stuff. There is an element to Nate where he doesn't, uh, we, we have a friend who, um, uh, uh, sometimes, uh, they, like if, if they're a fashion designer and they say, um, Hey, what do you think of the lapels on this jacket? 
that you say, you know what, those are those are kind of fucking awful, to be honest. I don't love those events, right? Then you will cease to be in the circle of trust for the next jacket. Does mm-hmm, that make mm-hmm, sense? Mm-hmm. Some some people just they take the truth off the table. Um, so uh, this is this is why it's so important to have you know what we call boys or friends or confidants or people like the Diamond Dogs, so you can have a realistic sort of uh, level of feedback about whatever it is. And there are times where. The dudeness of Roy and uh, Beard, the collective broness, makes them think, "Eh, he'll be fine. He'll get over it." When he's his trajectory is not their trajectory, yes, and they yeah. kind of miss that. <laughs> yes, you know? yes, yeah. They like the fact. As much as I found myself going, get a clue. Like my feeling being, get get a clue, Nate. Like, why do you think he's talking to you about these trees? Like, take a breath, take it in. I, like I was, I was very much with Roy. <laughs> like he, he did just fucking answer. You didn't hear that. But just because I would get it and just because Roy gets it and just because Beard gets it doesn't mean that Nate gets it. And he's actually expressed that he's not getting it. So us just shaking our head that he doesn't get it doesn't help him get any closer to getting it. So there, there is the ball is being dropped there. And this would actually in this sequence alone be twice that we could point to where Beard doesn't step up in a way and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're obviously not getting something mm-hmm. here. Like, let's stop and make sure you get it before we proceed. Yes. I, I think I, I would say my complaints about characterization as it's been handled, and of course we're speaking from seeing through the end of the show, I think that it is, it, the Ted Lasso writers I have found are really, really good at, laying the road for why people are behaving the way that they are the setup for the this is why they're fucked up in the way that they are i've always felt was handled very well it was usually the the coming back around where i was like maybe they did that too fast maybe i didn't i think they skipped over Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. of the work that needs to be done but i actually i think that what they're doing with nate's character makes a lot of sense here he got a taste of what he wanted in terms of being recognized and being promoted and people liking him and people thinking that he's the genius that he always thought he was. And then as will happen, the attention needed to go to other places. And he is now feeling even more that he is owed that attention and not getting what he needs. And that's why he's turning into kind of a prick. And it's why none of this is working. None of the stuff that Ted is saying to him is making sense because he is still looking for you need to think that I'm a genius. And Ted's like, I do. I just can't tell you that every day for 24 hours straight. Yeah. yeah. He, 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 he's living in how it feels. And whether it's Beard or Roy or us, we're talking about how it is. Yep. Yep. And those are not I mentioned, the same. I, I mentioned on, on other shows, uh, uh, you know, earlier watching – uh, various of my children, various uh, members of my family uh, have four children. And to see uh, like the first time, you know, you said, oh, baby's first steps, baby's first crawl, baby, whatever. Right? Um, notable in my mind is the first time that this was not something I knew growing, you know, becoming a dad. Uh, the first time that they got a like or something on social media or whatever and how they reacted to it and what it became. And so you see like, uh, you, you know, the, the social media being designed around um, 
what's the term? Uh, it's not interaction. It is uh, engagement. Probably know the right term. Engagement. That's it. Yes. So engagement. So people say, oh, uh, I love the feeling of, you know, Nate really loves, you know, people. He loved the fact that people noticed him. That was a real shot to his shot, you know, shot of adrenaline for, for Nate. And that has probably, you know, waned and he's looking for that next shot. It's, it reminds me of like Gollum and the one ring kind of thing where it's like, you get, you just can't, you know, if you, if you, you think you're taking your mind off of it, but it's working in sinister ways inside your subconscious. And so, you know, the net result of it is that, you know, Nate seems to, to hunger for this sort of validation in a way that has caused him to become unhealthy in, in other places. But again, uh, would have been nice uh, if the, if the boys had, had done a little better job of redirecting him here. Um, I want to just finish with that little button. Your eyebrows aren't crazy. Roy says, thank you. Beard says they're psychotic. And, um, so that's, that's a, uh, that's, that's, you know, that's your boys. Uh, Roy says, I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And then he was, I knew he would. So yeah, that's how, that's how the fellas, uh, that's how the fellas talk to each other. Um, I just real quick. I talked about the boyfriend a lot this episode, uh, this weekend. I said something about how, if I had to, I would take my nine-year-old niece in a fist fight last. Before anybody else in the family, my younger brother included, who is much bigger and stronger than I am. I was like, I, my niece is the last fucking one because she would bring a knife and she would fucking mean it and she would take me out. And I said to the boyfriend, you know, like, yes, of course, my brother is bigger than me, but he isn't meaner. And the boyfriend said, very few people are. And I said, oh, <laughs> honey. That is so sweet of you. You old sweet talker, you. And I meant it. I really, I was like, that's really, that's really nice. That's great. Wow. Wow. These are life goals. Um, Coach, where do people find you if they want to find you? We Align is a community at wealign.alignp.com. Come through. We're doing big things. Boss, what about you? Uh, You can find me. on Blue Sky, since that's open now, anybody can join. No codes needed. That is uh, Demily Chambers. Also uh, doing more stuff at Threads, which is emily.chambers.31. I'm also, of course, going to plug the antagonist, antagonistblog.com, but also the community site, which I finally dipped back into after being gone for too long. My alerts are garbage. I promise I will be there. I will show up. Uh, you can get me there. I love it. Um, yeah, thank you, everyone. Thank you for, for joining us for this episode. We'll be back next time with part two um, and uh, of Midnight Train to Royston. Um, never uh, never say that without without thinking about Georgia. Or, or, or a plane um, in New York, either one. There mm-hmm. is that. Yeah, there is a plane. It, it turns out it was a, a flight uh, to Houston. I'll put that all in the community site, though. you got to be there to find ah, it. Ah, got it, got it, got it. Oh, flight to Houston. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, everyone, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, thanks again for supporting the show. Uh, we, we love it. Um, please, uh, please like, and subscribe and all that good stuff and, um, support your local libraries and the written word. And until next time, we intend to remain rich Richmond men till, till we, we die. die. Love it. Thank you for, uh, for filling in for me, everyone. My beautiful, uh, my beautiful daughter is okay. She's Good. happy. She's happy upstairs and doing doing great. And um, so, thanks for uh, thanks for 
thanks for commandeering the show and 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 uh, and taking it taking it through the the straits. Cool. Absolutely. I don't know what that means. Cool. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and the Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.